0: The lead story in the Grand Rapids Press caught my eye because it was entitled, God Told Me. And so I'm interested anytime anybody thinks that God tells them something because I happen to think that uh, occurs quite often. And the story was uh, about a woman named Sarah Farkas who had donated a kidney to a man named Guy Duke, uh, Duke Guy, sorry, (laughs) Duke Guy that she barely knew. And if you didn't get to see the article, this is a portion of how it read. The press said Farkas met the guys, Duke and his wife Deb, through her work as a pastoral intern at Second Reformed Church in Zeeland while she was studying at Western Theological Seminary. A 41-year-old single mother with two teenage daughters, Farkas worked in banking before deciding to go into ministry. Although she didn't know Guy well, she was aware of his need for a transplant through prayer requests at church. One day in May, she sat on her couch praying. She included a specific request for a kidney donor for Guy. That's when she heard God's voice. It was very, very clear, she said. It was a question. He said, why don't you give him one of yours? Farkas immediately began to shake and weep. She fell forward to her knees, flooded with feelings of warmth and peace. It just dawned on me that, wow, I was in the presence of God, she said. The article goes on to say that because uh, Farkas and uh, Duke Guy are not related, the odds of them being a match for one another was something like one in 100,000. But because God was in it, uh, it turns out she was a perfect match to give him uh, her kidney. And as she broke the news to them, they were overwhelmed. And Duke's wife, Deb, said, we were just amazed that somebody would go through this and do this for us, said Deb Guy. It's major surgery. It means a couple of months off work. How do you thank someone for that? It's mind boggling. Now, as I read this article, two things really stood out to me. The first is, is that Sarah Farkas was being asked to do something that was quite difficult. This is major surgery. The article was being written after the surgery had taken place. And she was planning on being off work, like it says, for a couple of months. This was a difficult thing for her to go through. And the thing that stood out to me is she was going through this because God asked her to. But he asked her to do this, not because she'd done something wrong, but because she'd done everything right. Here she is faithfully praying for this man, who she doesn't know very well at all, that he would find a kidney donor, and she's the one that God asks to do this. Meaning he asked her to walk this difficult road, not because she was sinning, but because she was doing everything she was supposed to do. The second thing that really stood out to me was the way she described God's presence with her. That when he showed up to ask her to do this very difficult thing, I mean, how hard must it be to be willing to give up a kidney for somebody you don't know very well and think, this is God telling me to do, I'm sure she had to have a real assurance from God. And so God showed up and provided her with an overwhelming sense. Of peace and his presence. This summer, we were looking through the Psalms, and when we got to Psalm 32, I said that Psalm 32 and Psalm 1 form a natural pair with one another. That Psalm 1 begins, Blessed are the law keepers. Meaning, those who go about quietly trying to live in obedience to God's word, to try to do the right thing, they experience the blessings of God now no surprise there but when we got to Psalm 32 it says blessed are the lawbreakers that those who go about sinning but then come to repentance and realize they have walked away from the Lord that those are people that God opens up heaven and pours out his blessings on now this is more scandalous this is more difficult to wrap your mind around but both are true those who walk in obedience to the lord experience god's blessings and those who even though they sin when they confess and humble themselves before god experience the blessings of god's grace now if you had continued in the psalms after psalm 32 you would get to psalm 34 and psalm 34 has a different message its message is not blessed are the law keepers nor blessed are the lawbreakers. its message is blessed are what we would call the righteous sufferers you heard Psalm 34 portion of it read earlier this morning by Bonnie let me remind you again of what it says taste and see that the Lord is good blessed is the one who takes refuge in him the righteous cry out and the lord hears them he delivers them from all their troubles the lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit the righteous person may have many troubles but the lord delivers him from them all psalm 1 is talking about the fact that when we obey god god blesses us and does good things for us Psalm 32 is talking about the fact that when we disobey God but humble ourselves, God gives us grace and blesses us. Psalm 34 is talking about when we're doing everything right, when we're being a righteous person, we still are led into trouble. Our spirits are still crushed and broken. But in the midst of that, God brings blessing. It's a different kind of blessing. Take Abraham, for example. Abraham experienced the Psalm 1 kind of blessing when he made the choice to allow his nephew Lot to choose what land he wanted first. That's an obedience to the law. That's Abraham being kind to Lot, and God blessed him for it. He did the right thing, and God blessed him. That's Psalm 1. Abraham also experienced Psalm 32 kind of blessing. When he lied to Abimelech about Sarah being his wife, God still blessed him. When he acknowledged his sin, God opened up heaven and poured out his blessings. That's Psalm 32. Abraham broke the law. He lied. But in his confession and repentance, God poured out his blessing. But the greatest blessing of all for Abraham came not through Psalm 1 or Psalm 32. It was a Psalm 34 experience that he had. When God asked him to sacrifice his son, Isaac. He wasn't asked to sacrifice Isaac because somehow Abraham had sinned or Isaac had sinned. He wasn't asked to sacrifice Isaac simply because he was going about doing the right things. He was asked as a righteous person to be willing to walk the road of suffering. And it was on that mountain that the Lord showed up in a powerful way that Abraham says, on this mountain the Lord will be seen. And on this mountain the Lord will provide. That it was through Psalm 34, that kind of blessing, that Abraham experienced this powerful time with the Lord. It's this third kind of blessing, the blessing of the righteous sufferer, Not necessarily the law keeper or the law breaker, but the righteous sufferer. This is the suffering that Peter had such a hard time wrapping his mind around when he was one of Jesus' disciples while Jesus was on earth. And it's this kind of blessing that Peter so badly wants us to be able to understand now that he gets it. So if you have a Bible, would you turn to 1 Peter chapter 3? first Peter chapter 3 and we want to look at the blessings of the righteous sufferer first Peter chapter 3 if you don't have a Bible one of the church Bibles is either in the rack in front of you or underneath your seat it's page 982 982 in those Bibles first Peter chapter 3 while you're turning let me remind you of the context We've been talking about God's plan to rescue the world through 1 Peter. And a big portion of that has been God commanding us to be obedient and to submit to Him in various walks of life. And we talked about in relation to governing authorities. We talked about at work, at school, at church. We talked about in male-female relationships. And in all of these... Peter has given us some very specific ways in which we can submit to those who are in authority over us so that through our obedience, God can bring others to faith. But now what Peter's going to do is kind of pull back from the specific situations he's been talking about and address the more fundamental underlying theological issue. Because the point is, is that you and I are supposed to submit to the governing authorities even when they're not acting the way God wants them to act. That we're supposed to submit to bosses even when they're harsh. And the question is, is that when you walk this journey, what's going to happen when something bad happens to those who are doing the right thing? And so Peter wants to back up and answer that question and address the theological uh, uh, position of the righteous sufferer the person who experiences bad things not because they sinned but because they were doing everything right we have a long passage to look at this morning I'm gonna read the whole thing and then just walk us through it first Peter 3 verses 8 to 22 finally all of you be like-minded For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have but do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander for it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil for Christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God he was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit after being made alive he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits to those who were disobedient long ago when god waited patiently in the days of noah while the ark was being built in it only a few people eight in all were saved through water and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also not the removal of dirt from the body but the pledge of a clear conscience towards god it saves you by the resurrection of jesus christ who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Now this is a complex passage, but the central idea comes from verse 14. Now verse 14 is following on from a quote from the Old Testament. It's a quote from the psalm we've been talking about, Psalm 34. Peter's quoting from that psalm, and he gives us the basic message, which is in verse 14. Even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. In other words, blessed are the righteous sufferers. Blessed are those who suffer not for doing the wrong thing, but for doing the right thing. And the question is, How is someone who is a righteous sufferer experience God's blessings? If you're in the middle of a difficult situation that you're in, not because you did something wrong, but because God led you into that. Peter's saying, you are blessed. But how does that blessing show up in our lives? Two ways. The first is in verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. This is thinking specifically of the righteous sufferer, that righteous person who from Psalm 34 has lots of troubles, whose spirit is crushed. What Peter is saying is, in the quote from the psalm, is that the blessing of being a righteous sufferer is that God is close to you. That God is near to us when we go through those things. That God makes his presence felt with us. This is why Abraham, when he's on the mountain, getting ready to sacrifice Isaac, it's God who's inordinately close to him, who's inexplicably present with him. In a way, he wasn't present when Abraham was lying about his wife or giving Lot his land. But when he was the righteous sufferer, God was near to him in a special way it's the same reason why Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego when they are following God and as a result of being obedient are thrown into a fiery furnace who is it that shows up with them it's Jesus being near to them that's this God is especially close to the righteous sufferer this is Mary being asked to walk the very hard road of giving birth to Jesus not because she did anything wrong but because she did everything right It's God being near to her and close to her in a special way on this journey. It's Stephen testifying to the reality that Jesus is Lord and being stoned for it. That's the righteous sufferer. Well, in his death, heaven opens up and he sees Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is coming to to get him, to be near to him. This is Sarah Farkas kneeling in her living room being asked by God to walk a very difficult journey not because she'd done anything wrong but because she'd done everything right and in the midst of it God showed up in an overwhelming powerful way in a way he hadn't shown up to her the day before at the grocery store or at the library or just out walking in the park in a special way God showed up because she was being asked to walk the road of being the righteous sufferer and the first reason why the righteous sufferer is blessed is because God says, I will walk with you. Not just in a general way that I walk with everybody, but in a special way, I will be near to you. I will pay attention to your cries in a unique way. I will watch what you are going through in a special way. The second reason why the righteous sufferer is so blessed, according to Peter, is verse 15. But in your hearts, Revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. The second reason why the righteous sufferer is blessed is because God uses our suffering in righteousness to bring other people to himself. Because God uses the righteous sufferer to draw people to himself. It's interesting to me that this article about Sarah Farkas and Duke Guy showed up in the Thursday edition of the Grand Rapids Press. Now the Thursday edition is the edition that the religion section comes in. But this article was not in the religion section. It was the front page of the paper why was it the front page of the paper? 1 Peter 3.15 people want to know what in the world would possess somebody to do this he says be ready to give an answer because people are going to start asking when they see somebody who suffers for doing something that's wrong nobody has any questions about that but when they see somebody who suffers because they've been doing everything right people want to say tell me a little more about this what's going on here? even the person who runs the kidney transplant program at St. Mary's. He was asked, how often do you see somebody who wants to donate a kidney to a person they're not related to or not friends with or don't know well at all? And he admitted, it's extremely rare. People want to know, okay, what would possess you to do this? And when someone says it was God who asked me to walk this road, people say, tell me about this tell me about this God who would ask you to walk such a hard road but then turn out to be such a miraculous thing that's 1st Peter 3 and the amazing thing I think for Sarah Farkas is that she gets to wake up every morning now and realize that this man, Duke guy, has life because she made this sacrifice but more than that that thousands of people in West Michigan are being drawn to God because she was willing to be a righteous sufferer. That's 1 Peter 3.15. The blessing of being asked to walk the road of being the righteous sufferer is that's what God uses to draw people to himself. This is what God uses to say, hey, come to me. That's why the final verses of our passage are about baptism. Now, there's some confusing theological things going on here in these verses. I don't want to take the time to explain them all, so I simply wrote the explanations for them in your notes. At some point, not now, go back and read those, and I try to help walk through some of the questions that these passages at least brought up in my mind as I looked at them. But what I want to do right now is don't miss the main point because of the details. And the main point is, Peter says, baptism is the example of this. Think about this. Tom mentioned it earlier. What do you think Jesus thinks as he watches this baptism happen? As he looks at this uh, beautiful young child, as he looks at this special needs adult, do you know what he's thinking? He's thinking it was worth it. It was worth it. Where was that child going to go without Jesus' death on the cross? What was going to happen to this to Carl, without Jesus dying for him. That's why verse 18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Baptism is the sign that Jesus' suffering was worth it. That it was worth all he went through. The ultimate example of the righteous sufferer is Jesus. He did nothing wrong, yet had the worst life possible. And God used that to save you, and to save me, to save them, to save everybody in the world who has faith in Jesus. And Peter's point is, do you think Jesus thinks it was worth it? He does. He's overjoyed to be here, to watch this happen, to know that this is what he went through all of that for. And Peter's saying, look, I finally get it. I finally get it when Jesus was here. I told him, no, you don't want to suffer. Jesus is saying, look, you don't understand. It's through my suffering that God will bring salvation. And without suffering, no one is rescued. Peter finally says, I get it. And not only does he get it about Jesus, he realizes we can follow Jesus in this. That when we choose the path of the righteous sufferer, our suffering doesn't save anybody, but it does draw them to the Jesus who does save them. That Sarah Farkas' story is not going to save anybody, but it's going to draw them to the God who can save them. And the reason it draws them to that God is because that God is Jesus, who is eternally blessed. This is why it says in verse 22, gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. He is eternally blessed because he chose the path of the righteous sufferer. And when we choose that path, we point people to Jesus. And when they see Jesus, they meet God and they experience salvation. So this raises just one question that everybody in this room has to answer if you're a believer in Jesus. And this is the question. Are you and I willing to let God take us down the path of righteous suffering so that we might experience the blessing of his presence and the blessing of seeing him rescue others through us are you and I willing verse 17 it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good are you and I willing to let God lead us down the path of trouble in life, to willingly enter into the darkness, not because we did something wrong, but because we did stuff right. Are we willing to say to God, you can take me there? Parents, grandparents, what this means is are you willing to say to God, whatever it takes, to bring my child or my grandchild to faith or back to you, I'm willing to go through. See, sometimes as parents or grandparents, we're willing to say, Lord, whatever it's going to take in their life to break them, to bring them to the point, that's good. But I got a harder question for you. Are you willing to say whatever it would take in my life to bring them back? Whatever I would have to go through. Would you and I be willing to die early if it meant it would draw our children, or grandchildren, to Jesus? Would we be willing to lose our job and suffer through the embarrassment of unemployment and the difficulties of a long financial journey if it would cause our family to trust in God? Would we be willing to accept a very difficult health assignment, to be sick, if it meant that God would use our sickness to draw other people to himself? Would we be willing to allow God to lead us through very difficult times in marriage and stick with it because God is going to use that to bless our children and our grandchildren and bring them to Jesus. This question means friends. Are you willing to allow God to put you into a difficult situation at work with an abusive boss so that your coworkers can see through the righteous suffering that you experience and come to Jesus? Are we willing to embrace the road of singlehood and the difficult path there so that God might use our hope in Him to bring others to Himself? It's a question for us as a church. Are we willing as a church to let God lead us to a place of public disdain for holding to the exclusivity of Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. Are we willing as a church to experience penalties from the state for refusing uh, to pay for abortions for employees that work here? Are we willing as a church to go through the suffering that's involved with getting involved with people who are dealing with alcohol, who are suffering from poor choices, who are experiencing the ravishes of poverty. It's going to cost us as a church. We are going to suffer more because we engage with them. Are we willing to do that? Not because we did anything wrong, but because we're embracing the journey of being the righteous sufferer. Now, after the sermon, everybody knows the right answer to the question. Am I willing? But the right answer and what your heart says are two different things. And what Peter is saying is, look, the blessings of God that powerful experience of his presence, the nearness of God, the ability to see people around us, our co-workers, our family, our neighbors, our friends come to faith is unlocked through righteous suffering. Peter says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to walk with God down that road. The end of the article sarah farkas was asked if she had any regrets this is what she said when asked after a surgery if she had any regrets about giving up her kidney farkas said she had none it's such an honor that god chose me to be part of a miracle she said because it truly is a miracle and i still don't know how to process that emotionally the thought that god loves duke so much that he gave him a new kidney The part she didn't say in the article is that God loved Duke so much that he gave him my kidney. See, God loves your children. God loves your grandchildren. God loves your parents, your aunts, your uncles, your co-workers, your neighbors, the people in the city and grandparents. He loves them enough to send his own son to die for them. But he also loves them enough to ask us, to follow in Jesus's footsteps to suffer as righteous people so that he can use that to bring them to faith. Psalm 1 says blessed are the law keepers and thank God for that. Thank God for that when we obey God's word when we do what's right God pours out his blessings in in our life. Psalm 32 says blessed are the law breakers that when we confess our sins God is merciful, gracious to pour out his forgiveness and thank God for that. But perhaps more than anything else, God says, blessed are the righteous sufferers. That when we let God show love to others through our pain, that God himself shows up and comforts us and Jesus walks with us and says, I know what you're going through. I know what you've been asked to do and I'm here to walk you through it every step of the way. And I can't wait to show you what I'm gonna do through this. Let's pray together. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want you to take just a minute, just between you and the Lord, He's asked you this morning, will you trust me? Will you trust me to take you safely through this road of righteous suffering? Will you trust me that you won't always know why or how or what's going to happen next? Will you trust me that I will be near with to you? And will you trust that I will not allow your suffering to be in vain? It's difficult to say to the Lord, wherever you lead me, I will follow. Because Peter is telling us he will sometimes lead us down paths of righteous suffering. in the quietness of your heart if you've refused to let him lead you that way confess that to him if you feel he may be calling you down that road but you're scared acknowledge that to him If you're in the middle of that right now, and we're losing hope but he brought you here to give you hope again, thank him for that. And if you've been through an experience where you've been asked to suffer not because you did something wrong, but because you did things right, and you experienced God's blessing, and saw him use it to rescue other people. Then praise him for that. Father, we can see why Peter had such a hard time wrestling with this truth. Lord, we get that when you do what's right, good things happen. It's harder for us to see that when you do what's right and bad things happen, that somehow this is good. Lord, give us faith, not in the circumstances, but in you. Help us to hear testimonies like Sarah Farkas' testimony, like Abraham's testimony, like Peter's testimony. And ultimately, like Jesus' testimony, that when we're willing to suffer for doing what is right, we are blessed. God, for those who are going through that right now, be close to them as you have promised. Lord, I just told them that you promised to do this. Lord, I know that you cannot lie. And so I'm asking you to simply do what you've already said you're going to do. Even right now, be near to them. For those that you're asking to walk a difficult road who are scared, Lord, would you give them hope and confidence and assurance? Would you allow them to hear your voice speaking to them right now? Lord God, so they might trust in you each step of the journey. Lord, it is hard for us to say this, but we're willing. Not because we know it's all gonna work out fine, but because we trust you. Amen.